Welcome to the Westside Investors Network. Win your community of investing knowledge for growth. This is the Real Estate Professionals Investing Podcast for real estate professionals by real estate professionals. This show is focused on the next step in your career, investing. Thank you for listening. And please, if you like our content, rate us on your podcast provider. Just a quick disclaimer, the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are for educational purposes only and should not be construed as an offer to buy or sell any shares or securities, make or consider any investments or take any other action. And now, AJ and Chris Shepard. Welcome back to another episode of the Deal Deep Dive segment on the Westside Investors Network podcast. I'm your host, Trent Werner. In this segment, our featured guests will share their unique stories on a specific deal they've invested in. We will dive deep into finding the deal, financing the deal, writing an offer, and the due diligence. Do us a solid and smash that subscribe button, leave us a rating, and share this episode. And now, let's dive deep. All right, welcome back to the Westside Investors Network podcast today. Trent Werner here, joined by Nick Prefontaine. Nick, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself? Trent, so excited to be here. Thank you. Nick Prefontaine with Wicked Smart. That was a question I had. They are rebranding from Smart Real Estate Coach to Wicked Smart. You guys are based out of Rhode Island? Yep. Newport, Rhode Island. Yes, sir. So I'm super excited to have Nick on today. We're going to be talking about lease purchases and how he works with his associates and their clients to structure these deals. Before we dive into that, Nick, I know you have a pretty interesting and one-of-a-kind story on how you got started in real estate. Do you want to share that? Sure. Yeah, I'd be happy to. And you actually asked me if I was comfortable sharing that. I'm very comfortable sharing that just because it's a big part of who I am today. And as I'm sure you can imagine, you mentioned you were in an accident of your own, albeit a car accident. So going back to when I was in middle school, we were actually, I was in eighth grade and I was at ski club with my school and all my friends. Now, all of my friends, at least, have brought our snowboard gear onto the bus to get ready so we wouldn't miss a precious moment once we got to the mountain. So we got to the mountain, and when everyone migrated inside, we headed right towards the chairlift because we were already ready. So we are saving time. Then on the way up, we noticed that it was very icy. People were wiping out everywhere. However, I saw the chairlift went right over this terrain park where all the jumps were. And I saw the biggest jump in the terrain park. And I was like, I, I got to That's it. That's what I'm doing. That's what I'm going off. So I got to the top, buckled into my snowboard, took a breath of that crisp winter air. And then I confidently charged towards that jump with all my speed. And going out to the jump, I caught the edge of my snowboard on the snow. And that's the last thing that I remember. Due to the severity of my injuries, they wanted to bring a helicopter to the mountain to kind of rush me to the hospital. However, Trent, they weren't able to because it was too windy. So they had to send in an ambulance. Now, out of the six paramedics on staff, there was only one who could intubate right on the spot. And fortunate for me, there were a number of things that broke correctly, pardon the pun, that broke the right way for me that day. And he was one of the ones that was working that day. 
then after I got to the hospital, the doctors told my parents that I probably wasn't going to be able to walk, talk, or eat on my own again. And even if I was able to come out of my coma, there was a good chance that I was going to need 24-hour care for the rest of my life. Now, an important point to mention here in that my parents didn't let that influenced me. They didn't let the doctors came into my room, even though I was in a coma, and they went to talk naturally to my parents who were right there and tell them the prognosis. My parents stopped them, fortunately, and said, no, no, not in front of him. So they knew that even though I was in a coma, I was still taking information. So they made the doctors step outside. And then once they were out of my room, That's where they shared the not-so-positive updates right there. Then after I was in a coma for three weeks, however, I don't remember a month because it was a partially induced coma. You see, from the impact alone, they said they estimated that it would have been out seven or ten days. However, because the impact was so severe and there was swelling in my brain, they had to induce me so that swelling could go down. So I ended up being in the coma for three weeks. As I said, I don't remember a month. Now, after a month, I was transported to a rehab hospital in Boston. And that's where I began my journey of having to learn how to walk, talk, and eat again. There were some pretty long days. I would get up in the morning and I would need help getting dressed and getting showered and taking care of myself because whenever people think, and this might be because Hollywood publicizes this or popularizes it to say, oh, you're in the hospital and you're in a coma, you just open your eyes and then you know what's happening around you. That's definitely, I see you shaking your head. So I think we definitely have to have a conversation offline just because I got to hear about your story, but I had to learn everything again. So I had no memory or recollection of how I used to do things. So I would get up in the morning. I would need an occupational therapist to kind of teach me how to shower again. Then I would start my morning therapy sessions, which would be physical, occupational, and speech therapy. And after which you broke for lunch. Now, I like to always say this because people learn about my story and they think, oh, that's such a great story and you recovered and you made it out. But there was a moment of doubt. And the reason I like to share this is because I think we all have moments of doubt. We all doubt ourselves. So it was at one of these lunches that I was in a wheelchair at the time and I looked over my mom I just, I was looking over my situation. I just, for whatever reason, Trent, I couldn't figure it out. So I looked over at her and I said, am I ever going to be able to walk again? And she didn't even hesitate. Right away, she said, of course you are. That's what we're doing here. So you can get everything back and we can go home. So that gave me the kind of the confidence to keep going forward, even when I didn't have it. And I have to say that was the only time that I can remember doubting myself and doubting, like, was I going to make a full recovery and everything like that? 
I'll take a breath there because I've been talking an awful lot here. <laughs> yeah. I mean, having a, like I said, a similar experience, which we don't have to get into right now, but you know, I think it's very important. And I like what you just shared that conversation with your mom, because during these moments of doubt, whether it's through a traumatic experience like this or your career or, you know, your relationship, whatever it may be, I think mindset is one of the most important things that you can control and letting doubt overcome your mindset is something that can derail a person's career relationship, whatever it may be, or, you know, progress after, you know, during a rehab stint like this, having that mindset kind of instilled in you after going through this experience, that's got to help in, in your real estate career at some point, right? Really, it helps in everything. It helps in my life, whatever it is I'm doing. It's that voice in the back of my head that's keep going, just keep going. There's always another level with inside myself that I can reach in and that kind of reservoir of strength just to say, all right, keep like, let's go, keep going, keep going. So yeah, that's glad you mentioned that. The other thing I think that this does is it offers a perspective that not many people have, especially at a young age. You were younger than I was when I went got my car accident, but having that perspective change at a young age, I think is something that I kind of use as a secret weapon because it offers you the ability to really understand life and understand what's important and understand how things that people take for granted a lot are something that can be taken from you at any moment. And it allows you and your mindset to really view the world differently and life differently. Can you talk on your perspective at all after going through this? Sure. My perspective, just because it was, like you said, it changes everything because you're able to realize the things that don't really matter anymore that you used to worry about. Now, for me, it was because I was so young, I was only 14 years old. It was just like, well, yeah, I got up and did the best I could and I kept getting better every day. Wouldn't anyone do that? Just, I feel like anyone would do that. But then it's been reflected back to me by several coaches and mentors over the years that, no, that's not normal. That's not normal. The fact that you kept getting up and you kept getting better and you kept having that ideal in your mind that you were going to get better. I think that's just the way that I've always been. And I don't know about the perspective. It definitely changes your perspective just because like I can even liken it to modern day things like people always being on their cell phones or always being glued to their phones or computers or whatever. To me, I can just, I look at that and to me, it's not real life. I'd rather just be with people and be with people in real life that are here with me, not virtually. So that's maybe something that we could kind of take the past experience from the past and then bring it to real life. That that's like one of the things modern day that I look at, I'm like, what are like all the time, I just see people sucked into their phone. It's just, I don't know, it kind of saddens me to be candid with you. I don't know if you're a golfer at all, but there's a good picture of, I think, Tigers hitting a shot. and Everyone behind them has their phones out. They're recording it. They're taking pictures, whatever. And then there's one guy standing there. He's probably in his mid-40s, early 50s, 
and he's standing there, you know, holding the drink and the other's hands in his pocket and he's just sitting there taking it all in. And I think that's a great analogy of everyone's worried about their phones. And if you can get past that, and once you get over the hump, you realize that I'd rather be with these people or absorbing the moment, taking it all in right now than needing to take pictures and videos to look back at later. A hundred percent. That's a hundred percent how I feel. And people always trying to do pictures with their phones. And I'm like, no, just be here. Just enjoy the moment. Just be here. I love it. Yeah. I appreciate you sharing that story. Let's talk about the lease purchase side of your guys's business. Now I know there's going to be correlations with it. Obviously, real estate is not the easiest business. If it was easy, everyone would do it. You guys in particular have a business model that is more nuanced and more niche than you know your classic real estate brokerage, just selling houses or your classic flippers, whatever it may be. Can you explain the real estate or the lease purchase process that you guys have and what that means to someone that maybe hasn't heard of that before? Yeah. So however, and we were talking a little bit offline beforehand, however, we're acquiring the deal. Now we buy homes a number of different ways. And as I'm sure you have my dad and my brother-in-law, Zach on, they were able to talk about, but however, we buy the house, we're always selling it on a rent own or at least purchase every time in that program, the reason I want to talk about the program in particular is because over the years, so many buyers have successfully got their own loans and completed the process. And we got them to the finish line just because we have a process and we have a system and a protocol to put them through and that enables them to become homeowners. And we're having like anywhere from one to two or even upwards of three a month of these deals that are just closing like clockwork from rent-owned deals that we did two or three years ago. So that's pretty exciting. Starting off at the very beginning, though, there are a few prerequisites that we want to make sure that all of our buyers have at the very least. That's a down payment. They have to have the down payment. Credit isn't so much an issue because you can always fix credit. So they have to have that down payment of 3 to 10% of the purchase price. As far as upfront cash, they need to have at least 3% down and they're competing against other buyers. So we encourage them to get that as high as they can because that's most often going to affect who we're going to accept. That's why we ask all our buyers to put their best foot forward. That down payment, and then the down payment is one thing, but then the next is, and we're even stricter than lenders, Trent, which is, I think the reason why we're having our buyers see so much success in getting their loans is because lending-wise, now you could probably get a loan for upwards of, high 30s, low 40% debt to income ratio being the housing payment, being a percentage, the housing payment with the monthly income. However, what we always like to see is we want to make sure that our rent-to-home buyers to even qualify to take the next step and meet with us for a buyer's meeting, we want to make sure that they're covering at least three times 
the total monthly cost of the home. What that means is the monthly payment. What that means is we want, I'm sorry, we want to make sure their income, their monthly income exceeds three times the monthly cost of the home. What that means is we want to get their debt to income ratio, meaning their total income that they have coming in as compared with the housing payment below 33%. And the thing is, you can always fix credit, but you can't fix how much someone makes in a relatively short time or a down payment. We're like, we can't affect those things. That's why we're sticklers to make sure those two boxes are checked before we even start the program. Then during the process, before we even accept them, we get them connected with a credit enhancement company that's going to do a full screening on them and get back to us with, they're going to do, yeah, credit, criminal, sexual harassment, all that good stuff. Then they're also going to let us know how long it's going to be until they're mortgage ready after working with them. And then we're just going to make sure that we're giving them plenty of time with the lease that we create with them to become mortgage ready. We find that the majority of our buyers are able to get mortgage ready inside of 24 months and 24 months is enough time. However, there are special circumstances that you have to allow for, but that's only five or 10% of the time. Then once they're in our program requires them, when we meet with them, we have them sign a bunch of disclosures. One of the disclosures is they're going to work with the credit enhancement company over the course of their entire agreement to become mortgage ready. We find that as long as our buyers stick with our program and fall through on it, there's no reason that they can't be successful. The times that our buyers stray away or say, yeah, well, I tried it for a few months and it wasn't working, so I stopped, we find that we're not able to guarantee the success rates of these people. I just, I covered high, high level, but hit me with any questions. I hope that helped. And now here's a word from our sponsor. Get things done while you're on the move. Learn more about working with a virtual assistant through offsite professionals. It's a great way to get all the things done that you need to get done. Have freedom in your time and streamline your life by automating your business. Stop spending time on the tasks that you can delegate and start spending more time on your superpower. Call us today at 503-446-3177 or visit our website at offsiteprofessionals.com. Uptown Syndication is now offering a syndication coaching program for you to take your real estate portfolio to the next level. This is your opportunity to have experienced syndicators, AJ and Chris Shepard, coach you on your way to controlling your real estate investing future. Our coaching program will provide you with the tools and framework needed to begin syndicating real estate in your target market. Go to uptownsyndication.com today to learn more. No, and I really enjoy that you guys offer this program and it is a very big part of your business because there are a plethora of people out there that want to be homeowners and they have you know, one or two of the pieces there, but then they have a piece of the puzzle that's missing. And it sounds, at least from my experience and what you've talked about, it sounds like the biggest piece is the credit aspect of your buyers. Do you guys have a minimum credit? Like, are you checking credit when they come into the program? Do you have a minimum credit level? Because it's hard to take someone from a 440 credit score to 700 without some serious work. 
No, that's why, yeah, that's why we're not the credit experts. That's why we get them connected with the credit experts. If they say there's a path to homeownership, there's a path to get them to the point of being mortgage ready, then we're on board. We'll work with them as long as they have the down payment and the income to support it. Those are things we can't really can't really make up. So as long as they'll give us a path. Now, a big part of that path is that they have to work with them. Now, there's usually a cycle, what they call it. I don't know if this makes sense, but a cycle of like six or nine months, then it needs another few months for the credit to kind of catch up. And then they'll determine if they need to put the buyer through another cycle. And 80% 80% of the time, they don't have to. However, there are some times when they have to to get them to a point where they're mortgage ready. A big portion that I didn't cover is we're having all of our... If you notice the whole way through this trend, I've never once referred to them as tenants or renters, always buyers, 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 buyers. We like to, from the beginning of meeting with them, all the way up until when they get their loan. We like to let them know that we're going to treat them and they're acting and behaving as a buyer. So if the toilet, I'm going to be facetious here, but if the toilet clogs, they're not going to call us. They're going to handle it just like it's their own property. There are another couple benefits with that. They are locking in their price day one. So they're locking in their price day one. They're any improvements and upgrades and enhancements to the property that they make, that's to their benefit, not ours. So if by the time they do go to appraise the house to make sure it appraises for that price, if they did $10,000 worth of upgrades to the property, that's going to give them $30,000 in increased value. That's all theirs. That's all their benefit. That's not ours. So that's another great reason why our buyers love our program is they're able to treat, run, capture equity, and take care of the property as if it was their own, even though they're not officially on title yet. Once they close and get their loan, then they'll start getting all the tax benefits and everything like that associated with ownership. When you guys sign these leases with the buyers, are they fixed rate leases? Let's say it's a three-year term. Is it the same price every month for 36 months or is there an increase every 12 months for their rental rate while they're renting it? Yeah, that's a good question. So what's going to happen is they have a base, they have a base monthly payment. We just call it a base monthly payment. Then on top of that is usually we're adding in taxes. They have to pay the taxes as if they were the owner. So then once they're making that payment, if we get a notice in the mail from the town that the taxes increased by a couple hundred dollars, or because of this tax or that tax, their payments increasing a couple hundred dollars, they're responsible for that, not us. So we're in turn just forwarding any bit of information that we get from the town saying that they're increasing the payment for whatever reason and they're absorbing, not absorbing, but they're responsible for that increase. Okay. But their base is the same throughout the entire term. Yeah. But yeah, we're not changing it. So 
The only time we're changing it is if the town raises the taxes or if there's additional costs on the property, they're, the tenant buyer is paying for it, not us. The reason I brought that up is because, I mean, you guys aren't property managers. We have a property management company and all of our tenants are tenants. And so they're not in a position or they're not in a contract to buy that property when they're done with it. They're there to live in it for the term and possibly extend or whatever they want to do. But with a tenant, you always have the risk of increased rent every 12 months or whatever it may be, whatever the term in the contract says. But as a buyer in this program, you're basically locking in your rental rate. Obviously, like you said, there could be an increased cost if taxes go up or whatnot. But from a tenant buyer perspective, it's probably a smarter move to do it this way than to go be a tenant and try to save up money to buy your own house and improve your credit yourself. Yeah, that's one of the things that we always tell our buyers that you're welcome to keep saving, but as the market continues to appreciate and continues to go up, there's no guarantee that you're going to get the same deal that you can get today. You're not going to be able to get that in two years. I'm sure you've had some pretty happy buyers over these last 12, 24 months with everything that's gone on, them locking in prices a couple of years ago is probably a really good thing for them at this point. Yes. Thrilled. (laughs) Thrilled can be the word for some of our buyers. Yeah, absolutely. That's awesome. Mm. So one more question about this program. And and by the way, we're happy for them too, that they're following through and being successful. Now, if for whatever reason, they have a life event, that's something that no one foresaw and we couldn't control, then we would have to take back over the property and sell it with a realtor, as I'm sure you're familiar with. We'd have to take back over the property, take occupancy over, and then sell it with a realtor and go through that whole thing. Mm-hmm. And yeah, we'd be able to get that cash to the higher prices of the market at that time. But our number one goal for all of our tenant buyers, first off, is for them to be successful. We give them every opportunity to be successful. And that's why we see 80 to 90% of our buyers cash out the properties and be able to move on. I mean, that's just good business. If you ask me, you want people to succeed and you're putting them in a position to succeed. And it's quite frankly, it sounds hard not to succeed (laughs) as long as you follow the blueprint. One more question I have about this is how do you finding buyers and I guess, yeah, buyers for this program? Are you Are you marketing it online and getting a bunch of phone calls or how are you finding these tenant buyers that you work with? Yeah. So we put signs out at the very start. We usually do anywhere from five to 10 signs that consist of uh, one or two yard signs and then arrows on the property directing back to the property. Then we have a 24-hour property information line, that number that we have on all the signs, which tells them about the home, but also asks them to go to our website to learn about how our rental program works. Then on the marketing side of things, yeah, we are posting it to our property management portal and that's blasted. That enables us to blast it out to a bunch of different websites. Once those calls come in, so this is something that I've also worked to develop in at the very beginning, none of this existed. So I worked with my dad to develop this, that when someone calls in, we can't just 
be, all right, when do you want to see the property? Let's get you in there for a viewing and then see what we can do. There's a very particular process that we like to put all of our buyers through. And every call, we're saying, hey, Trent, thanks for calling about our home at 123 Main Street. Trent, it's available through our rental home program. And our rental home program is not a great fit for everyone. So first, before we get you in there for a viewing, want to make sure that you've seen the video that we have on the homepage of our website. Have you got a chance to look at that yet? And that's the line of questioning that I go through with them. We just have a quick video, a, a seven or eight minute video on the website that explains that they're taking over the home as if they were the owner. They're responsible for all maintenance, repair, and upkeep of the home over the course of their purchase. It does require a down payment. They're not just moving in and giving us first month's rent. So then once those people call back and say, yes, I'm still interested, then we'll arrange a property viewing, get them in there. And then after that, if they're interested, I instruct them to get me back a couple of forms. Then I call them to review the forms. If and when we get to a point where we're both comfortable, we'll arrange a buyer's meeting. At a buyer's meeting, we're just going to go over everything in more detail and go over in detail things like down payment, monthly price, what the taxes are, their responsibilities, that they have to stay enrolled in credit repair. Then if we end up accepting them a couple days later or a week later, they can end up sign and fund with our attorney or with the attorney within the next five to seven days and then officially start the rent to home program. That was something, I know I went over that real fast, but that was something that I thought was missing in our conversation. I wanted to give you a peek into that as well. Yeah, because I mean, I'm thinking about this program from a property management standpoint, where if we have a vacancy, our goal is to get at least as quickly as possible. And if a person or people submit an application and qualify, then you know, we'll, we'll move them in, we'll make sure the unit's ready, all that good stuff. But it's a fairly quick process if someone's qualified, where yeah. your process sounds like it takes a little bit longer, but the tenant buyer is going to be in that property for a longer term than 12 months most of the time. And they're going to be actually purchasing the property versus just using the space for a set amount of time. So that's why I wanted to clarify that from my way of thinking about it. Yeah, it is a little different because it's actually interesting because it is a little different in that you don't want to rush and just accept the first person because the phone rings and get them in there because you have a vacancy. What we found is you want to take, you want to go slow and deliberate because what we found is the best buyers usually rise to the top meaning the best buyers with the most qualified, the most down payment. And that's who we're interested in for both ourselves and our partners that we have in the deal. We have to make sure we're doing the best job by them too and for them. So for that, we usually want to accept or no, we always want to accept the most qualified buyer to make sure that we're setting them up for success and they're being able to move on and purchase the property. And when they do that, everyone is happy. Everyone else is happy because at the end of the deal, you get the final payday, which we didn't really have much time to talk about, but Chris, you Chris do, covered that. Yeah, you do get that. Yeah, that's awesome. So Nick, is there anything else about this process 
what is it called? I keep wanting to say lease option, lease purchase, lease purchase. Lease purchase. Yeah. Is there anything else about the lease purchase process that you want to say to kind of close it up? If any buyer out there that is considering a rent-on deal, whether it's with us or anyone else, if you're serious and committed to the process, it is something that definitely can work for you. I think. Awesome. What's your guys' website again? Sure. It's, I don't know, like with the rebranding and everything, but I can send you to, I can give you smartrealestatecoach.com. Yep. And if they go forward slash master's class, that's where they can learn about the trademark three payday system that we didn't really have time to get into today. They can find out about getting paid three up to three different times on one particular deal, as opposed to just one payday. They'll also learn a little bit how we buy and sell on terms. And if it's a good fit for them, they'll be able to take the next step. Awesome. Nick, thanks again for joining and sharing your story today. It was definitely awesome to hear that from you. And I appreciate you going over the lease purchase process with us. Oh, you're welcome. Happy to be here, Trent. Awesome. Thanks, Nick. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Real Estate Professionals Investing Podcast on WIN, your community of investing knowledge for growth. We hope that this episode has increased your knowledge and added value to your path to freedom. If you would, please take a second to rate us so that we can get more great investors to interview. If you or someone that you know wants to be on, please visit westsideinvestors.com and fill out our form to be on the show. Thank you again and enjoy your day.